Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we get the privilege to study your word. Thank you for the start of a new month. Thank you because you have seen us through the first half of 2023. Thank you for the answers to prayers. Thank you for the testimonies. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your provision, your protection, your preservation. Thank you for all the lessons we learned in the first six months of this year. Thank you for all your spirit has worked in and through us. And Lord, we believe for more, even in the second half of this year. We believe for growth. We believe for more, even in your word, more in the place of prayer, more in our in the expression of our lives as believers. I pray that in this second half of this year, that it's only better. It's only better in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Even as we resume or start, I guess, to go through the verses of first Corinthians, second Corinthians today, I pray that there is clarity. I pray there is no confusion. I pray that the truth of your word rings true in our hearts. And I pray that we are able to apply it to our lives in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen, amen, amen. Good morning, afternoon, evening, night <laughs> again to everyone here and everyone listening. Um, you're welcome to Journey Through Second Corinthians Part 2. Like I said in the broadcast message, if you haven't listened to Part 1, don't worry, you don't have to leave now. But as soon as you can, please, please and please make out time to listen to part one of this teaching. It would really help to contextualize a lot of things that this book um, has in store. And we, we, we pretty much highlighted how many and what were they. Let me see if we remember. Um things that paul wanted to emphasize in second corinthians i believe it was three major points all summarized as one major issue right uh do we remember what was number one you can check your notes what was the first thing paul was trying to do through second corinthians you can omit yourself you can put it in the chat to reaffirm his love and commitment to the Corinthian church. Thank you, Onye. Yes, to reaffirm his love and commitment to them because he had just rebuked them, scolded them for many things they were getting wrong. Whether that's in 1 Corinthians or another letter we don't have, um, he was. this was more of a reconciliation act such that when he comes in person, there won't be any awkwardness. <laughs> between them what was the second thing exactly to pretty much organize the financial aid the gofundme of uh, the church at jerusalem and what was the third thing what's the third thing he was trying to do to remind him of his authority as an apostle, an apostle. thank you so much yes gold star five over five <laughs> to remind them of his authority as an apostle and we 
we summarized all of this to say that at the root, Paul's, Paul was largely addressing a, a very, very important point of Christianity that if you've truly understood the gospel, it will show in your life. It will show in your life. If you truly understand the gospel, giving will not be an issue. If you truly understand the gospel, you will not value um, charisma, wealth, and outward appearance over a sincere ministerial expression. Those were some of the things he was emphasizing, and we dwelt a lot on that last week. So if you haven't, listen to take our time and listen to it as soon as you can. Like I said, today will be a bit shorter because I want to stay on just a few verses and leave you with just those verses to think on, to meditate on, to possibly pray on, and to encourage maybe a friend or two with the first few verses in Second Corinthians. It's beautiful. And so if you haven't already, bring out your writing materials, get your notepads, your Bibles. I'm not going to talk much about context anymore um, because we did that last week. So we're just going to go straight into the verses. I think we're just going to be able to cover from verse 1 to verse 11. Um, but hopefully the lessons we draw from those verses, will, if we can apply it, will will um, transform our lives and, and really, really bring us comfort the same way it did to Paul and his intended audience. All right. So 2 Corinthians 1 verse 1, it says, I'm reading from the NKJV as usual. Um Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in all Achaia, right? And so, um, this is how Paul starts pretty much almost all his letters. Paul, an apostle, I didn't call myself, <laughs> I didn't send myself, God chose me. I'm here because God wanted it to be so. And of course, Timothy is here with me. I'm writing to the church of God at Corinth as well as the entire, um, some modern translations would say the Christians who are in Greece, right? Of which Corinth was a city in that region. And then he says, like he does all the time, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, classic Paul opener, um because of the gospel you have received grace because of the gospel you have peace from god and you have peace with god um so we've talked about this multiple multiple times so i don't usually dwell on this anymore because by now it should be right there at the back of your mind now my emphasis begins at chapter verse three it says blessed be the god and father of our Lord Jesus, the Father of mercies and the God of all comforts, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So many comforts. <laughs> it's like a tongue twister. Uh, Betty bought a piece of butter. The butter Betty bought was bitter. Betty bought a better butter to make the bitter butter better. <laughs> um, there's a lot of that word comfort. And it's it's interesting because the more you read, we've gone through a lot of Pauline epistles. And it's not strange to see Paul start with, blessed be God. 
blessed be God. It, 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 he starts usually with thanksgiving. But then as you start to study the epistles a bit more, what you start to notice is that the thing that Paul thanks God for is very, very crucial to all he's about to write. So he's not just giving random thanks. He usually thanks God for particular things that bear into mind everything he's about to talk about for the rest of the letter. If you remember Ephesians 1, how does it start? Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He goes on to list all that God has blessed us with in Christ and then gives yet another thanks, prayer of thanksgiving and then prays for them. And then the rest of Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 is spent helping the Ephesian church understand what God has done in Christ, understand God's ultimate mystery of uniting the Jews and the Gentiles as one in Christ, which is why he started that way, right? So it, it was not a coincidence that that was how he started his prayer. The same thing with the Philippian church. He's thanking God that since the very first day they heard of the gospel, they have been with him. And a huge part of that letter is what? Yes, I'm in chains, but I'm joyful. You also, you're going through some persecution. Rejoice, 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 right? That's why he started that way because you have been with me from the start. Don't let whatever is going on now um, affect your faith. The Galatian church, things were so bad, he did not thank God for anything. <laughs> he just started and said, I cannot believe my eyes. You guys have turned away <laughs> to another gospel. What is going on here? All right. So when he starts um, in 2 Corinthians and he's thanking God for comfort, he's thanking God for them being comforted and then being able to comfort others. Remember what we talked about last week. A huge part of 2 Corinthians is to write to these people, to encourage them, to, to, to prove to them, number one, the validity of the apostleship. And by so doing, present themselves as people that can come alongside this Corinthian church to encourage them, to strengthen them. That yes, we have the authority to rebuke you, but it's for your own good. And so the next few verses become something very, very important. And I really want us to not miss out on, on all that Paul is going to, to, to share in just this short prayer. First of all, he calls God the Father of mercy and the God of all comfort. You can highlight that. You can take note of that. The Father of mercy and the God of all comfort. It's similar to what James talks about, where he calls uh, God the Father of light, in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So when he says he's the Father of light, he means he's the source of light. Of course, not necessarily the sun in particular, but lights in general, illumination, clarity, um, goodness, all that is good. And that's why it's contrasted in whom there's no variableness or shadow of turning. God is the source of light. It's like the Psalm says, in your light, we see light. Now, Paul comes and says, God is the father of mercy, meaning he's the source 
of mercy. That word mercy in the Greek, I love it. I love its literal translation. It literally means pity, right? To, to, to be merciful to someone is to have to pity them. You look upon their condition and it touches you and you say, what? Well, I pity you. Not the way sometimes now we say, I pity you. Like, <laughs> the way you are going, I, I just pity you. No, no, no. This is to look upon someone suffering many times or in a worse condition and to be moved with compassion. To be moved with compassion. It says God is the source of mercy. God is the source of mercy. God is the source of mercy. And that should encourage you because if you know how broken you are as a human being, it becomes very, very comforting to know that the God you serve is a God of mercy or is a God of pity. God literally looks at the human condition and he feels pity. He feels pity. Of course, we best see that in the person of Jesus. He looked upon us. He looked on us in our sin, in our shame that we brought on our own selves. And he stepped in to say, you know what? I will be a part. Let me, let me, let me step into their suffering. Let me step into their pain so that I can take it out. I can take it out. And so we see that example in the gospel, but more particularly, we can start to apply it even in, even in the everyday aspects of our lives. So for that believer struggling with an addiction, God is the source, the father of mercy. God looks upon you and he genuinely pities your condition. He genuinely has compassion on you. To that person that always feels like, God, every day I pray, I, I promise you, <laughs> I will pray for one hour. And yet I fail. And you're feeling so broken, so bad. You're like, what is wrong with me? God pities you. God pities you. God pities you. You can see that 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 idea with Peter. He, God told Peter, he says, tonight, you will deny me three times. I've told you. He says, I have a word for you. <laughs> you will deny me three times before the cock crows. He said, no, no, no. Ah, do you know who I am? Jesus, ah, ah, I will never betray Jesus. Judas, maybe, but I would never. And he does. And of course, he didn't intend to. He was just being human. He was just being human. But God comes alongside. <laughs> he says, I know who I am in Christ. God comes alongside him, literally upon the earth. And he, he's walking. And three times he asks him, do you love me? And then he restores him. He says, feed my sheep. Everything I called you to do before you denied me, go ahead and still do it. But maybe now at least you would realize that you're not as strong as you think. That you need to trust me. Else, even this very task, you will fail at it. You will fail at it. And so we can learn from Peter that if you truly believe God is the God of mercy, if as a human you can see that you have received mercy, there is a certain posture that it should give you. Because what mercy means is that you, you needed to be pitied. You are not in the best position. 
some of us we we don't relate <laughs> it's like oh i was doing well and god just came to make me better no god pitied you and so you should see yourself that way i am someone that god has shown mercy it's kind of like let's say someone is begging for bread on the street and someone is rich you're driving and you see this person and you pity the person imagine that person say no and you give let's say you give the person say do i look like i needed your bread and the person gets angry I'm like what do you think why are you assuming <laughs> some of us act that way whether before christ again of course of the biggest reason that the bible attributes to unbelief is pride people haven't seen themselves as people needing mercy we've not seen ourselves how god sees us broken humans living every day with failed promises living every day with the weaknesses of our incapabilities needing god to literally have mercy on us but unfortunately some of us even in christ don't see ourselves that way and so you start to see believers holding other people to unrealistic standards it's not fair you are here because god pitied you who are you to now say how can they do such a thing what do you mean by that they are human they are human god pitied you you should extend well i don't want to get ahead of myself but you should extend that mercy to people around you to people around you if you've truly received mercy there is a posture of humility that you should carry around your life around your life it's very funny um how many times it's easy to to hold people accountable for the very things that we know that we've not done right you said oh this person promised and he didn't fulfill it i am angry at them how many times have you promised whether to god whether to others and you didn't fulfill it you told him i said i will call you today <laughs> you did not call you say oh the person will understand that i was busy but if the roles suddenly get reversed you are angry the only person that is that can hold humans accountable to their actions is god you can correct you can explain through the word of god but like the bible says at no point are you ever justified in being judged because you don't stand at an elevated position from them you are just as broken you are just as needing of mercy as they are and it's a mindset that we should we should we should learn to dwell on we can be too critical we can expect too much <laughs> well, he has given reviewed every introvert's greatest desire say i will call god please don't let them pick god please so that at least i've tried and then i never i just forget about it <laughs> so that when next because yeah it's too late it's too late i've called i've called already <laughs> um what was i saying yes well, i can't remember anymore but yeah I, I i think i was pretty much emphasizing said i service <laughs> i was pretty much emphasizing the same point that at every believer have that posture of humility god pitied you like it's something you should say like god 
pitied me. I was not in the best place. God literally had mercy on me. It's the least I can do to people around. Don't be too critical. Don't hold people to such elevated standards as though you yourself, you're perfect. You're not. You're not. You're not. You say, oh, I don't like... I, I get that. You don't like it. And that's valid, right? But just be a bit more merciful. Be a bit more understanding. Learn to have compassion to pity people to pity people the next time someone is late for something yes of course you can say oh try to be a bit more on time but pity them maybe something happened maybe maybe they actually got carried away maybe yes they need work you need work as well and so resist that urge to look down on people in areas where you are strong because there are also many areas where you need work so let it humble you let it humble you yes you are the most punctual person in the world god i no 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 <laughs> no please <laughs> but even to consistently bad behavior i'm not saying um, put yourself in a position to constantly be hurt. I'm not saying um, you can't hold people accountable for their actions. I'm not saying you shouldn't express displeasure at things that you're not you're not happy with. I'm simply saying, don't bring yourself to such a position where it's, it's subconsciously you start to act like you are the only one perfect and everyone around you is just making mistakes. That's pride. That's pride. That's pride. Because think about it. I, I want you to even just do a personal analysis of your life. Most of the areas where you hold people accountable as judge is because they are your strengths. If you are a punctual person, you'll be more irritated when people are late. But if you are a late person, let's say you remember that just last week, I was late to workers' meeting. Well, so people are amazing. They can be so blinded to even their faults that... <laughs> When you just said there's log in your eye and you are calling out specs in others, it is real. But you can remember that, oh, I was late two weeks ago. Maybe I shouldn't be as angry now that someone is late to me because maybe I, I literally just did the same thing and I know how I felt. Like it wasn't, and I could have been better, but ultimately I didn't intend <laughs> to disrespect this person's time. So maybe the next time someone is late, I won't be so quick to say, why are you disrespecting my time? Why are you like this? What? Uh -uh, calm down. They were not, most likely, they were not trying to be rude. It just happened. Be a bit kinder. You can say, oh, I've been waiting here for a while. Can you, let's try, if this is something that's going, let's try to make, to respect each other's time. And the person can then apologize and say, oh, I'm sorry, I just got carried away. And then it gets there from there. Don't don't be so 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 unmerciful. That's the word. What other areas that can you be stronger and all of a sudden you just you just become blind to to the weaknesses of others? I don't know. Give me examples. <laughs> Punctuality is one. Let's say you're clean. You're a neat person. If you are that kind, it now becomes very easy. To, to take it out on people when they are not as neat as you are because it's your strength. But if, for instance, you know 
you struggle with what now let's say let's say comments <laughs> let's say personally you've struggled with sexual addiction personally the next time you hear that a believer messed up you won't be as 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 critical you won't be as critical decisive I, I like the examples you are very you just make your make up your mind i'm like that i don't like uh i i think i've realized i don't know if i can ever shop with <laughs> with you because i'm i just have a list i'll go into pick up and go i don't want to look around i don't care what they have offering all of that right but because that's me if i'm with someone that maybe wants to take their time wants to walk around i start to get upset calm down calm down exactly what ibk said you're already an expert at something let's say you are a great graphic designer or you are a great i don't know <laughs> senior devices i didn't want to use that example <laughs> but you've done even for instance let me use a personal example so i'm currently teaching my sister how to drive right it's that it's this very example at a point i was once learning how to drive meaning most of the mistakes i made them so i turned a bit too far i didn't slow down before turning it took me a while to learn how to stay on a lane right stuff like that i didn't always <laughs> say hey, come and speak for yourself i didn't <laughs> i didn't always remember to turn on my indicator before changing a lane right but slowly but surely you eventually figured out how to drive to the point where it's second nature it's very easy when you are teaching someone else to forget that there was a time you struggled with the very same mistakes and so maybe if your dad or your mom has about to say no and they are they're angry and like uh -uh, calm down you were once learning as well you were once learning as well it's that same principle to every area of life just because you're strong at something it is teaching people how to dance <laughs> one year of driving okay well done well done well done. no accidents yet hopefully abby well done but you you get my point it's very easy to be more critical in areas where we think we are competent i think i'm this so therefore when people are not it's very easy to then react a bit more strongly all that shows is that you're not as you're not you're not as self-aware as you should be because if everybody held you to your weaknesses you won't be comfortable you won't you won't, you won't want to be treated that way so just be a bit kinder to that friend that that did something that annoyed you be a bit kinder to that husband or wife that should have known maybe by magic how you wanted things to be done i love can you see i told you one day dami you will come and talk to us i said this in marriage exactly to that husband to that wife that should have just known that this is how i wanted things be a bit kinder be a bit kinder be a bit kinder god is the father of mercies if we are his children we should be merciful we should pity people we should cut them some slack because that's literally what god imagine if god held you to his standards that's what he says, he says none will stand like 
the Oshay standard stand. You can't stand before the standard of God. <laughs> None will stand. So you too be a bit kinder. In the areas where you are strong, bear with weaker people. In the areas where you are weak, acknowledge it. Acknowledge it. Amen. And so if God is the father of all mercies, it means that there is no display of mercy outside the influence of God. Even when unbelievers are being merciful or having compassion, it is still God at work. It is still God at work. And that's why whenever you start to imagine a world without God, what, what we call hell theologically, it starts to make sense. Because you're imagining a world where there is no mercy, like no one, no one is merciful. No one has any iota of compassion. Everyone is fully selfish, fully concerned with their own self. That is hell. There is no kindness, no mercy, no compassion, no grace, no love. Just selfishness, just greed, just pride. Imagine that kind of world. Imagine how broken in such a world, there can't be anything as a healthy relationship. It's not possible because everyone is seeking their own interest. There can't be anything like a, a good friendship because everyone is selfish. There can't be anything like, like what? I don't know. But do you get the point? Imagine such a world. And that's why the only descriptions is like, it's just fire. It's, it's, it's waste. It's, there's nothing good in that circumstance. Nothing good in that circumstance. God is the father of mercy. But it doesn't stop there. It says he is also the God of comfort. He's the God of comfort. The word comfort comes from the word, it's the word paraclesis, but it comes from the word paracleo, which means to call near, to invite. And that's beautiful. And I, I, I want you to, first of all, we're still going to get into extending this, but see God as that God that not only has mercy on you, not only pities you, not only has compassion on you, but then comforts you. So he sees your weaknesses. He sees your struggles. He doesn't just say, hey, yeah. He calls you near. He calls you near. <laughs> because we can be merciful, but not show comfort. So you are driving on the road, you see a homeless person, you're like, ah, how I wish you were not homeless. And then you drive off. You've shown, you've technically, you've pitied the person, but you didn't do anything about it. You say, hey, uh, thoughts and prayers. Sending thoughts. And prayers, like we've seen from James, that is useless. <laughs> that is useless. But God doesn't stop there. God doesn't just look at you and say, wow, these human beings are suffering. Cry. He called us near. He invited us. He comforted us. He comforted us. That is the God you serve. A God who looks at your weaknesses, who looks at your pain, who looks at your struggles, he pities and then he extends a comforting arm. And Paul goes on on that theme in verse 4 to say, he comforts us in 
all our tribulation. All our tribulation. All our tribulation. First of all, when he says us, for the sake of context, so that we are as specific as possible, we're going to see it as we read on through the text. And of course, I'm sure you're starting to see why I said we're just going to stop at verse 11 today. There's a lot I want to emphasize. And I do, I really hope everything, every point lands in your heart. Us specifically refers to Paul and the apostles or Paul and his associates in ministry specifically. Of course, by application, it then it, it becomes the reality of every believer. But I want you to note that where you see us, where you see we, he's speaking about himself and the apostles, himself and his associates in ministry. And we're going to see why in a second. But let's just go on with the general applicative interpretation for now. It says he comforts us in all our tribulation, meaning there is no time that we are persecuted, that we are, we are we, I want to say we are tribulated, <laughs> that we go through tribulations, that he isn't there comforting us. And so that can, that, that has two things we can draw from. The first one is that there is no time you have gone through a difficult moment. Again, tribulation specifically refers to all that the apostles have suffered representing Christ. We're going to see that in 2 Corinthians 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and so on. But specifically, it's persecution for the gospel, suffering for bearing the name of Jesus. However, it still applies that as believers, even in our struggles, our pains, our struggles against sin, that no one else maybe can see. God is always there to comfort. In those low moments where, let's say, you lost a loved one. In those times where, let's say, you were believing so strongly for something and it didn't happen. God was there comforting. And that should set a frame of mind because it means that if you don't feel that way, if you don't have a sense of the comfort of God, it's not because he's not there comforting you. It's because you, you're either not, you've not learned to recognize it or in that moment you're so overwhelmed by the, the, the pain and the suffering that you can't discern it. And that should start to inform our prayers. It should start to inform our minds that there is no, no bad occurrence i go through that god is not there with me and as much as i can it will do me a lot of good to live with that perspective that even in that darkest hour it's just like the psalmist said even though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil why you are with me it's a mindset to have you are with me your rod and your staff, they what? Comfort me. They comfort me. There was, I think when I was in GS1, that's what, seventh grade, um, in my school, I remember when I started second school, so the uh, school was a Christian school and we had a poster on the wall that had a short story. I'm sure you've heard it before. 
it's the story of a guy and Jesus walking across the beach. I think he was looking at his footsteps. And so at different points, he noticed, okay, there are four feet prints or footprints rather <laughs> on the sand. So two pairs of footprints. So two people are walking. I was like, oh, wow. And he noticed that those were all the good moments in his life that he could see his footprints. He could see Jesus's footprints. And then he started to notice that in the bad times in his life, he only noticed that there were just one set of footprints. And he's like, ah, that Jesus, we've had an amazing walk so far. Like, I'm glad you've been with me on this journey. But how come in the good times, I can see both our footprints? In the bad times, I can only see mine. What is going on? And then Jesus replied that actually in those times, those were not your footprints. They were mine because I was carrying you. I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> so it was just a short story. And I don't know, it really just stuck to me ever since I was a kid. That that is the reality. Say cutting onions. <laughs> that is the reality of, 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 uh, of our lives as believers. That in the darkest moments, God is there. God is still there. He's not just there, just chilling. He pities us and he comforts us. Sometimes we may not let him. Sometimes we may not discern it. But it doesn't change the fact that he's there. Comforting through every step of the way. But now, think about this. I want you to read verse 4 carefully it's very very interesting because it reveals a way that god works through his people through the church it says he comforts us in all our tribulations just so that we'll be comforted no it says so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comforts that we have received from God. I love this verse so much because all of a sudden, Paul is speaking from a perspective as a minister of the gospel and by application, every believer should share in this perspective that all the things I am going through, that God comforts me through. He didn't take it away. He comforted me through them. Why? It's not just so that I myself will be able to get through those hard times. It's so that eventually I would be able to comfort others. And so my victory over whatever circumstance that I just went through, <clears throat> my experiences, both the good and the bad, becomes part of God's arsenal in using me to comfort even more people it's i mean it's it's such a beautiful perspective to have to suffering and and negative situations because as believers the same thing applies and on one level or the other we can all relate to this that there are things that you've gone through that you're like god why i i don't you just take this away and all god did was 
comfort you and you scale through you actually survive you did not die <laughs> and even if more than anything you you saw god's love you saw god's faithfulness you saw god's goodness through you were strengthened your faith was strengthened it doesn't stop there now god has comforted paul and the apostles how is god comforting the church it's through paul and the apostles so it's now that sense of we have received so that we can give i think the basic believers commentary bible believers comment says we are comforted not to be comfortable but to be comforters and so he goes back to what we're saying in verse 3 have you received mercy be merciful have you received comfort comfort others because we all know that there are things that we've gone through that when you now see someone else going through it you're able to come alongside them some of you have had to trust god waited for a job and you finally got that job offer and so the next time you see someone who is waiting in that waiting phase that uncomfortable position where things are pulling on their mind the devil is spitting lies every day are you sure god can be trusted are you sure this would really happen you say no you can come alongside them and say i have where you are and god was faithful there's just something that a shared experience does it makes you a way better comforter i remember um in in a uh, college right course we're praying for people to get sick and to get to get sick witches and wizards we're praying for people to get healed and of course people are getting healed you say oh this person had migraines we prayed for them migraines are gone this person uses glasses we pray for them they use glasses this person has this we pray for them they are fine and it's cool but up to that point to be honest with you i didn't really i didn't really know what it felt like to be sick because i hadn't been sick in a while i don't usually fall sick right i hardly and then i remember the first time i was sick in in uh my four years like i was really sick that i had to get admitted and <laughs> you might say it's weird but i was excited like i really appreciated the experience of my body being in pain my head pounding i couldn't I was a mess when i got out of the hospital the next time i prayed for people that were in pain there was just i don't know how to describe it but you get what i'm saying there was there was a lot more compassion because i'm like i know what you are feeling i get it now and so there is even more compassion with which i can trust god for your healing that's what that's that's the general idea of what paul is trying to pass across there are people in the church let's say god for and of course i'm not saying god caused it i'm not saying god made me sick god forbid i'm not saying let's say people that perhaps um were abused growing up of course god did not cause it but because of that experience they are able to now help people they are able to come alongside people the next time they talk to a young christian and the young christian was like where is god when this happened this is my life i don't think this this is because I, and they're like i've been where you are i know how you feel god has comforted me and so in this moment i'm not just going to pray god comfort no 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 god has comforted me i can comfort you with the comfort that i have been re- have received from god 
such a beautiful mindset to have where you start to realize that some of the sufferings and the struggles you've gone through is not just for yourself it has equipped you to be able to come alongside people who will go through these same things and be able to help them and be able to help them so beautiful so beautiful so beautiful It says he comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Some of you have you've seen you've seen pain. Some of you have lost loved ones. You know what it feels like to lose a parent at a young age. Some of you have had to trust God for, for a long time or something. Some of you have experienced sickness. Some of you have been in a waiting phase where you are like, what is going on? Have this mindset. God comforted me so that I can comfort others with the comfort I have received from him. And so the same way, God being the father of mercy, if I understand that I've been shown mercy, it makes me forgiven. It makes me a lot kinder when people mess up. It's the same way. If I understand that God has comforted me, all of a sudden I'm not insensitive. I can comfort people. The next time I'm, I'm talking to a believer, trusting God for something, I can encourage them because I've had to trust God for something. The next time I'm talking to a believer, I remember um, 2019 when I came to the US, right? I, I tell all my, anyone who has ever had any length of discussion with me, I tell them that spiritually or even just generally in life, 2019 was perhaps the lowest time of my life, right? Because up to that point, I felt established in Nigeria. I thought, okay, you know what? I probably might not work. Maybe I just got to do ministry. <laughs> now I laugh. But then I was dead serious. Maybe I'll do ministry. But then I, I had friends, right? As many of us did before you left the country. If you've left the country or you've ever left wherever you grew up. I had friends. I had a good church. I was constantly holding meetings. All of that. Ministry was growing. Um... Not only that, uh, what else? I thought, I thought the yoke of singleness was going to be broken over my life that year. <laughs> and then, boom, I'm in a new place where nobody knows me. I have no physical friends. Ministry is pretty much square one. I remember when I, was, I started my master's, it was so difficult. Like, I mean, the concept, I don't mean life was, I mean like, what we're learning in class was hard. <laughs> I think in one of our exams, I got, was it 50-something? And I was third in class. 50-something over 100. And I was third in class. That's how hard, the course was so hard that the grading system wasn't 90s A, 80s B. It was not possible. There was nobody that was going to come close to 90. How the grading system works is that he takes the average of the class and then uses that to, so the first three people in class get an A. Then the next two, get like and like that so there would always be two or three people that would fill the class regardless of their score that's how hard the class was because if it was to be by score 
more than half the class would always fail. That's how difficult the course was. And I remember getting my first assignment. Um, I think I got 40 something over 100. I'm like, up to this point, I'm that I'm that annoying student that's prize giving day, they don't let me leave. First, call my name, I'm not gone. First, straight A's, blah, 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 whatever. So failure was not, failure academically was strange to me. I'll be honest with you. And so I remember that period, August, September, October, there were a lot of things going on. Number one, I was trying to find my identity in a new place where I didn't know anyone. I was like, okay, ministerially, like ministry-wise, God, what do you want me to be doing? I've left it all in Nigeria. Now academics, I'm now failing again, or I'm scared that I would fail for the first time in my life not only that uh <laughs> relationship or situation whatever crumbled apart all right? and it really hurt me right so i was in a very 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 low place it's like every is almost as the way you say leave all and follow me i'm like god i know for sure that you said i should come it's not like i wanted to per se i wasn't actively trying to leave the country i prayed about it he said okay no wala travel i'm here everything just seems up in the air there's no stability anywhere that's how i felt i remember i got to a point so bad i called i sent a text to three of my closest friends like you guys should don't don't call me i don't want to talk to you but just be praying i know things will get better but just be praying for me just be praying for me i felt so bad of course there was homesickness i couldn't sleep well both from heartbreak and from missing <laughs> missing home it was bad all right it was bad and then things got better, like they always do, right? I want you to look back on your life. You can probably relate with some of these things. There have been times you're like, ha, what is going on? Things always work out. Things always work out. Things always do. They always do. And then, of course, as time went on, ministry kicked off. I started to make Christian friends. I didn't feel the cause. <laughs> I didn't get A, but at least I got B. I think I was fourth or something. I would take that gladly. Um, things just got better, right? I was at a much better place. Ever since then, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, but first of all, personally, what it did for me, it's the same thing Paul says. As far as the leading of God is concerned, it's not something I struggle with as much anymore. I don't really care but I'm like, if God saw me through 2019, there's nothing he asks me to do that it will not work out eventually, one way or the other. There might be a bit of struggle here and there. There might be a bit of uncertainty here and there. But I'm not worried because I've been comforted by God in the past. He has taught me from experience that I can trust him. If he says today, resign, I'm I don't really care. Monday morning, I will send my resignation letter. We'll go and do whatever you ask us. I don't care. <laughs> right? Because even though on an actual level, it, the stakes might be, be higher, but from emotions or from, from a practical point of following God, it's, it's not as bad as 2019. It's not as bad. <laughs> it's not as bad. It's not as bad. And so you can trust God. He has comforted you. You can trust him. But not only that, I've had multiple counseling sessions where people are struggling to trust God or people don't know what exactly, like, it's like, is God really leading me to do this? I'm scared of this. And I can tell them, I've been where you are. 
I know how it feels to take an uncertain step. I know how it feels to be as to lose everything that was tied to your identity in one day. <laughs> I know what that feels like, at least to some extent. I can come alongside you to say, you can trust God. And so if I had the opportunity to choose, will I want to go through all I went through? Yes, a thousand times. Yes. That is the perspective that Paul is painting. For some of you, it might be something completely different. It might be learning to trust God through waiting processes. You've waited for a lot of things. You are able to encourage people. For some of you, like I said, it could be the pain of losing a love. I remember the first time someone I cared about passed on. I cried. <laughs> and I used to form hard that I don't cry. I think that was the second time in my life I was crying due to something that was not pain related. Second or third, I don't know. But I cried. Since then, I remember a friend of mine lost a loved one like a year or two later. It made sense. Before that point, oh my God, when people are sad around me or crying, and I still struggle to be honest, but I did not know how to act. I was just there, numb, because I didn't know how to act. I was, it was very uncomfortable for me. But after that point, the next time I see someone say, oh, I just lost a friend. It made sense. It made sense. It made sense. Like I said, for many of you, there could be many things. It could be all sorts of things that you've gone through in your life. But I want you to have this perspective that number one, there is nothing I go through that God isn't actively there. Emphasis on active because sometimes it feels like he's just watching and say, will he pass? Let's see what he will do. Let's see what he will do. No, he's there to actively comfort you. But not only that, every victory you have won in the spirit has only equipped you to strengthen another person. To strengthen another person. And so the Corinthian church can say what? That God comforts us in our tribulations. But how? Through Paul. So God comforted Paul so that Paul can comfort us. Let your life have that same story. God comforted me, delights, in this area so that I can comfort others in this very area. For some of you, you know the, the pain and the struggle of what it means to wrestle addictions. Use that victory to strengthen other people. For some of you, you know the struggle of what it looks like to struggle with devotion use that that experience that comfort how god saw you through that phase to strengthen other people that is god's idea it's the same thing we talked about when we we're talking about the church last week that is god's idea that is god's idea that by what he does in the life of one it can be replicated in the lives of others amen I'll read that verse again and then we go on. Maybe I might not even get to verse 11, but it's fine. I really want this to stick home. It's a perspective to have during tribulations and after tribulations. It is, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comforts, who comforts us in all our tribulations 
that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the same comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. That's God's idea. That's God's idea. You can read that to yourself. You say, God comforts me in all my tribulations so that I may comfort those who are in any trouble with the comforts with which I myself have been comforted by God. That's God's idea. Amen. Let's go on to verse 5. Let me quickly drink water. <laughs> it says, For as the sufferings, hmm, what I explained, is it the same as turn your pain into purpose, turn your misery into ministry? I don't know the full context of those phrases, but yes, it seems very similar. That the very things through which God saw you through as that were pain, moments of pain, moments of misery, and you came, you, you overcame them. They become reference points in how your life can help others through those very same things. Yes. So yes, yes, that's, if that's what that phrase means, that's what I'm saying. All right. Let's go on. I, I hope we're learning something. Thumbs up if you are still with me. Very, very important. Thumbs up if we're still together. All right. All right. All right. Awesome. 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 So let's go on to verse 5. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. And it's the same thing, right? emphasis on sufferings of christ i told you immediate context or specific context paul is speaking about all the things he and the other apostles have had to go through to proclaim jesus to the world so this is talking about him being arrested him being hungry him going days without support help all of that he's saying as the sufferings of christ abound in us I love how he calls it the sufferings of Christ abounding in us. It's the very same thing. Well, I'll get there. It says, so also our consolation abounds. Meaning as we suffer for Christ, we're also comforted by Christ. And it is the sufferings of Christ because we identify. It's the same thing he said in Colossians 1.27. I complete in my body. Sorry, Colossians 1.24. We can turn there quickly. Colossians 1.24. It says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. So there was that clear idea in Paul's mind that the things I'm going through, I'm going through it on behalf of Christ, on behalf of his church. I continue, I carry on this suffering of Christ. The same sufferings Jesus went through while he was on earth. You can read all about them in Isaiah, right? It says in Isaiah 58, Isaiah 63, all the sufferings that Jesus went through. I mean, the, the entire Old Testament is summarized as the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should come. So he says, as believers, we continue in this suffering of Christ, but not that. We are also comforted by Christ. We are also comforted by Christ. And so there was that sense in Paul's mind that it is 
worth it. It is worth it. The consolation of Christ far surpasses the sufferings of Christ. When I look at the forgiveness of sin, when I look at peace with God, when I look at life eternal with God and with people that love the Lord, whatever I go through now, it's fine. It's fine. That's what he's saying. And I will get back to that, but let's go to verse 6. It says, Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. I would explain that. He now says, Or oh, if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Again, one of the biggest things that at least I personally, and I hope everyone that has followed us through this journey, as you study the epistles, as you study the writings of Paul, beyond just what is on the surface of the text, I hope you are able to pick out his mindset. There's a certain mindset Paul has towards pretty much everything in life that if we can just adopt as believers, will change our lives. We saw it in Philippians, going through suffering, and you can see the way he thinks. He's even able to say, rejoice. Imagine someone in chains without food in a cold, dark cell is telling you to be happy. All of a sudden, you'll be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> like, I'm not as bad as, and he's the one telling me to cheer. It's the same thing here. You can always tell a certain mindset that he operates with, that, that equips him to go through whatever life would throw with the right perspective. And that's what the study and the meditation, emphasis on meditation of God's word does. It starts to build in you a mindset. A mindset that you can then apply to the day-to-day -day of your life. It's a mindset. So yes, you can say, oh, I've done my Bible reading for today, but did you really pick out? Did you really observe how Paul thinks? What the, what the authors are saying? Such that when you are in that same situation, rather than buckle under pressure you've built a mindset that can that can address it that can address whatever life throws at you so now paul is saying it again if we are suffering is for your consolation is for your salvation how because when you also are suffering you can then say ah, paul has gone through the same thing he survived i can go through it Remember, specifically, he's talking about the labels of the church. The labels of the apostles, rather, on behalf of the church. And so this teaches us, is that same thing, where we see one suffering for the many. We see Jesus suffering for the world. We see the role of a priest to stand before God as intercessor on behalf of the many. And so even in the organization of the church today, we see that in ministry gifts. We see that in missionaries. We see that in the lives of people that perhaps have suffered more for Christ than maybe any member of the church ever will. And it is God's way of qualifying them to lead and to comfort others. We see that same description for Jesus in Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2 verse 10. It says, It, is, it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through what? Through suffering. 
Jesus was qualified to be captain of your salvation because he suffered. In another place in Hebrews, he says that's what qualifies him to be a high priest. We don't have a high priest that is not touched by our weaknesses. He's gone through it. And so when I'm struggling with sin, Jesus gets it. When I'm struggling with doubt, Jesus gets it. When I'm scared of pain and rejection and mockery and ridicule, and I want to shy away from my Christian identity, Jesus gets it. And that's why he's able to come alongside. So it's first true in Christ, before it's even true, in the leaders of the church, and then true in your life. And so Paul is saying the same thing. That when you guys in your city in Corinth, people make fun of you because you are Christians. I get it. I've been through it. When you guys are thrown in jail because you bear the name of Christ, I've been through it. And what that means is that if you will be qualified to lead people, if God will, you want God to use you, say, God, use me, use me, use me, Lord. Use me to reach the nations then you must be prepared to suffer on their behalf. <laughs> That's what it means. So maybe you need to rethink your prayer. You must be prepared to be qualified, to be trained. And that training process will, in, will, in, will, will entail suffering. Just know it now. Such that when you are leading these people through whatever trials, tribulations, temptations, like Paul, you can say what? I've gone through it. So I am qualified to help you go through it. Moses, think about it. Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness before God called him to go back to Egypt and bring those people to the wilderness. So when they were in the wilderness, this was that was not Moses' first rodeo. He had been in the wilderness. He had been trained. David grew up tending sheep. He grew up with he grew up running in the wilderness from Saul, trainings such that when he was it was time to lead the people of Israel, when it was time to lead people through those same things, David can say, "This is not my first time. I've gone, I've gone through this. I've gone through this. I've gone through this." And so Paul is saying, when we suffer. You also are suffering with us. When we suffer, it's for your sakes. So that you will be strengthened. You can say, ah, Paul has done it. I can go through it. But not only that, like we read, when you are comforted, it is also for your sakes. So that we also can comfort you. We also can comfort you. And then he goes on to say the same thing again. Our hope for you is set steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also you will be partakers of the consolation. It's the same thing we read in Romans 8 verse 17. Romans 8 verse 17. If children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. It's the same thing in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 3, right? Verse 12. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. 
It's the same thing Jesus says in Matthew 16 verse 24. Matthew 16 verse 24. It says, Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. We'll find it. And so this brings me to the second part of today's conversation, which is that when you think and hear of suffering for Christ, tribulations, don't automatically think about beating and flogging and physical pain. Yes, it's part of it. And for the, the, the audience and the authors, it was a big part of it. For certain people in certain parts of the world, that's the first thing their mind will go through, go to. But the chances that anyone here has been beaten <laughs> because they are a Christian right now, under the sound of my voice, is very low. So in your mind, you can be like, okay, <clears throat> what does all this talk about suffering for Christ? Suffering for Christ. Yes, I will suffer for Christ. I will suffer. What does that? What does that mean? You're always talking about suffering for Christ. What, what exactly <laughs> does it mean? What exactly does it mean? Turn your Bibles to Luke 9. I'm looking at the time. The time is looking at me. But I serve a God that is greater than time. <laughs> oh, gosh. What did I say? Luke 9, what? Um, Luke 9, 57. I want to show you something. When Jesus talks about losing your life for his sake, when the when Paul talks about the sufferings of Christ, what does it mean for us that nobody has ever held a gun to our head? Luke 9:57 and from there I'll start to round up. I hope you're you're learning something today. Luke 9:57. It says now it happened as they journeyed on the road, that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. <laughs> so I promise, I, I, I swear, <laughs> I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests. The son of man has nowhere to lay his head. So as you are shouting, I will follow you, I will follow you. I hope you understand that following me entails uncertainty. Think, think about that. Like Jesus is clearly saying it. Following me means you don't know where you are going to sleep tonight. <laughs> it's uncertain. And it's still the same till now. Many times the call to follow Christ isn't always a clear-cut picture of this is why I've been 10 years. This is why I've been 20 years. This is why I've been... Mm -mm -mm. I'm sure many of us even if you've been following God for just two years, there are certain areas and certain times and certain places you're like, okay, God, what are you doing? And all he tells you is, just trust me. He tells Abraham, pack up your things and go to a land I will show you. And you're like, okay, I don't get. I should just leave my family, leave every, and just be going. That is what following God looks like. There is a great deal of trust because what he wants is that you wouldn't you would learn not to 
trust on your own wisdom, your own intellect, as in he will scatter it and to trust in his plan for your life. That's the first thing. But let's go on. That's not even my emphasis. I was just, by the way. He says, then he said to another, so this time he told someone, follow me. But he said, let me first go and bury my father. And you're like, huh? That seems reasonable, right? <laughs> like, I can understand. Go and bury your father. And Jesus said what? Let the dead bury their dead. But you, go and preach the kingdom of God. It almost seems insensitive. But I will get to it. So, following God can mean certain forms of relational losses. I hope you are seeing that. But that's not even the emphasis. Let's keep going on. And then he said to another, so another said, Lord, I will follow you. But let me first go and bid farewell. Let me at least say, I'm about to follow you, but let me go and tell my people, bye, I'm about to follow Jesus. So that at least they can maybe throw a party, farewell service. Oh, we will miss you. Jesus said what? No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Of course, this is talking about ministry. But what was the problem in these responses? Is it that God wants you to, to abandon your family if you're going to follow him? Of course not. You say, Daddy, mommy, I don't know you again. I'm following Jesus. He's my father. You are not my father. God is my father. You are irresponsible and very misled. Is it that God is saying, if you follow me, I don't want you to talk to anybody. Just, just be following me. No. The issue where we read is what? Let me first. Think about it. In verse 59, let me first go. Verse 61, let me first go. And so, Jesus, more than what you think he's doing, he's revealing an issue of priority. It's the same thing we've been reading. <laughs> oh, I feel, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. It's sad what misinterpreted verses can actually do to our Christian life. I think I heard this first from Pastor Shaggy. He says, whenever a verse of scripture is misunderstood, a truth is lost. And of course, a lie would take its place. But the emphasis there was priority. Do you prioritize me over personal comfort? That's what he was telling the first guy. Do you prioritize me over your earthly responsibilities? Do you prioritize, that's for the second guy. Do you prioritize me over your earthly relationships? Because if you are to follow me, I must be first. Your first cannot be, let me go and bear. Your first is me. Your first cannot be, let me go and tell. No, I should be first. Again, don't forget where I'm coming from because I'm going to, I'm going to close us out with that. I'm talking about what does suffering for Christ mean to someone who is not going through physical persecution? How can you, in 2023, in the US or in Nigeria, or in Canada, wherever you're listening from, how can you connect with Paul's ideas of suffering and affliction and all of that? That's where it starts. 
if you are following Christ, before we even talk about, have you been beaten for his sake? No. Is he first? So when he said, no one having put his hand on the plow, you don't make a commitment to Christ and start to prioritize other things above that commitment. Is he first? And it's interesting because the very next verse, what happens? He says, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others. So he found 70 people that were willing to put him and the work first. That's what Jesus was saying. That if you're not willing to carry your cross, you can't follow me. Says, if you don't hate your life enough to lose it, you can't follow me. So following Jesus today starts from what? Making him your first. Making him your first. Because we live in a world where we want to do both. We want to cheat God. It's like, God, I want this, 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 and then I would also follow you by the side. So hopefully both can stay together. But we, we think about that phrase. Say, I've accepted as my Lord and what personal. <laughs> we must always have that personal. But Lord, is he Lord of your life? What it means is that following Jesus would oftentimes put us in positions where we would, we would have to lose our pride. would have to let go of those, like the analogy I gave last week, those fig leaves that Adam and Eve put on their body so that they would appear a certain way to the public. Those things that you've used to build an image for yourself. Those things you've tied your identity to. Many times, following God will challenge those areas. Those things you've put your pride in. Oh, I'm a fine boy. I'm a fine girl. <laughs> oh, I have money. Oh, I'm smart. Oh, I do this. Oh, I do that. I'm not saying if you become a Christian, you sell everything. Not necessarily. But it starts from a frame of mind where Jesus is first. Because if he's truly Lord, then all of a sudden, your ambitions, your priorities must change. Because think about it. If you say, I'm living for Jesus, you can't live for him and live for yourself. So all your plans, all your interests, you lay it at his feet and say, God, what do you want me to do? On a practical level, you stop saying, I want to do this. I, no, it's, what does Jesus want of my life? Oh, I want to be married at this age with so many children in this part of the world and just have this kind of lifestyle. And then, and then, and then, and then. Is he really Lord? What does he want? Is that what he wants for you? Oh, I just got a $5,000 bonus at work. Oh, I want to use, buy this. I want to use, mm -mm. what does he want? And of course, surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. I'm not saying this, I'm speaking to myself as well. It's a painful process. It's a process we're all learning to grow through. But it's necessary. And so before you start talking about suffering for Jesus, I will suffer for, mm -mm. in your personal life, between just you and God, 
have you suffered like have you had to let go of things that you were attached to remember it's going to it's like pulling wax off your skin it's you're attached to these things but following jesus means you let go of your pride you let go of that identity you've built for yourself you let go of your 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 uh i don't know the word i have the idea in my mind the way you you've you've sought to be seen you let go of those those plans those dreams in quotes that you say oh uh, when you're trying to say i will do this i'll live here i'll <laughs> take it all back to god and say god it's painful i'm literally losing myself to follow you that's what but that's exactly what jesus said anyone who loves their life will lose it but anyone who is able to lose their lives following they will gain it on the last day to come to jesus say my plans whether it's marital plans whether it's career plans business plans financial plans i lead at your feet what do you want of my life that's where it starts that's that is where it starts and as god starts to walk you through that process just like we started you are able to help others you can say don't worry follow god it's worth it why because you've seen god's comfort you've seen god's consolation there were times you too you struggled you're like god i really wanted this <laughs> and god says lay it down <laughs> lay it down lay it down lay it down remember the three reasons i gave for following god i think in titus who remembers <laughs> Should I do another quiz? If you can get it, I will, I will, you'll get something from it. Who remembers? <laughs> the three reasons I gave for following God or for living a life for God. Anyone? So we are scrambling through your notes. Say, ah, he has given us experts in Titus. Isn't Titus? Going, going, gone. <laughs> Number one was because he said so right and that's where that's where it's most painful you're like i'm just doing this because god said so i don't understand that maybe he said don't lie okay i won't lie number two was because as we constantly yield and obey god we start to trust in his wisdom and then we start to understand his wisdom and so all of a sudden i'm not lying because i see why lying is bad i'm not having sex before marriage because i see god's wisdom in why this is not the way to go and then number three is so that we can partner to show a new way of humanity to the world and so for you right that they've not pointed a gun to your head for you that no one is threatening to beat you the question is even in your own context is jesus your first what are the things that your, it has cost you you know you can, everyone should be able to answer this question what are the things that following jesus has cost you maybe it's a career path to do ministry that's not as common maybe right maybe it's friends maybe it's a way of life you loved maybe it's a certain level of comfort you desired for yourself but everyone should be able to answer this question that since the day i said yes 
these are the areas where god has called me that i've struggled <laughs> it was hard but by his grace we surrendered if you've not if you can't answer that question definitively check it maybe you are still like that guy let me first get a good job let me first marry let me first have my three children let me first let me first let me first that's not what jesus really he should be your first and then if there's time for anything then you can put it aside you can put it there but like we've seen following jesus is worth it this is not a case of slavery i don't want to do i'm just going where he doesn't want me to go it's sad i'm angry i'm being mistreated i'm being maltreated god is a slave trader <laughs> no what happens is as you start to walk with god the more you lose yourself in him you start to realize that that is truly the most fulfilling way to live your life when Jesus said, no one who lays aside wives, children, he said they'll find a hundred times more in this time and in the world to come. What he was saying, because would you get a hundred wives in Christ? Of course not. It's just that one you married. But what he was saying is that you will find out that it was worth it a hundred times over. Everything you lay aside to follow Jesus, those beloved childhood, in quotes, childhood dreams that you tied so strongly to your identity those personality traits you've allowed to define you that don't align with god's plans for your life everything you lay aside those ungodly relationships that you were so proud of and so close to everything you lay aside to follow jesus that identity you had that all of a sudden you are now subject to ridicule and shame because you are a jesus boy or a jesus girl everything you give up to follow jesus you will find out it was worth it you would find it was worth it you would find it was worth it and that's what he's saying that insofar as we share in the sufferings of christ we will always share in his consolation and comfort we would share in his consolation and comfort let me speed read to verse 11 Please give me just a few more minutes and then we'll call it a day. But I hope you've been blessed today. I hope you've learned something. Now you see why I said there's no way I could have finished chapter one. I was preparing my notes and then it occurred to me. Just stay here. Stay here for today. Stay here for today. It says, for we do not want you. I'm in verse eight. We do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia were burdened beyond measure above strength so that we despaired even of life and of course we don't know for sure what particular experience but we can tell that paul's life all through his ministry journey was filled with trials and persecutions you can see it in acts 14 in acts 20 but then my emphasis in verse 9 it says we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves but in god who raises the dead who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver us in whom we trust that he will still deliver us you also helping in prayer for us that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through men you know what 
I'm looking at the time. I have a lot to say on these three verses. So what we'll do is we'll pause here today. I would, I would actually, I don't want to drag this on longer. Um, I would start from verse eight <laughs> next week. I promised that I've promised you all, and I think I've promised God I will not rush for to at the expense of emphasis. I wouldn't rush. So if this is all I can emphasize today. I would stop here. But I want us to, if possible, listen to this again or think about this again. Reflect, meditate, pray on it. That number one, right, you can trust God's comfort. You really can't, guys. For many of you, you have seen his comfort in times past. For some of you, it was even when you looked back, you're like, ah, just like that, that, that picture like god was really carrying me i was not even the one going through this time because how i went through it i don't know but god was there maybe in the moment i couldn't see him but he was there you can trust his comfort and then number two learn to pass it on that mercy you receive from god pass it on don't be so critical don't be so easily offended by the mistakes and these shortcomings of people. It shows that you've not really understood how broken you were when God met you. That's what it shows. Or it shows that you don't really see how many weaknesses you still have. Don't be so critical. Don't. People make mistakes. People will hurt you. People would upset you. People would say things that you don't like. People would do things you don't like. Be a bit kinder. Because God showed you mercy. He's the father of mercy. Remember, dearly beloved, imitate. Imitate as dear children. If you've, if you've been adopted by, by the father of mercy, then we should be people known for mercy. You should be a forgiving person. Don't hold people's mess ups against them. It's wrong. It's wrong. Not only that, we should be known as people of comfort. That we come alongside people and we're able to comfort them. Why? Because God has comforted them. And that means that there'll be many times, especially if you are someone that wants to be used by God, there'll be many times that you will go through things and God will not change the circumstance. Not necessarily because he cannot, but he needs you to go through it so that you can train other people, so that you can comfort, so that you can be that example just like Jesus was to us, the apostles were to the church, you would also be to many. It's a mindset to have that God, if God wants to use me, he has to train me. And if he's training me, it will not be fun. There will be times I will go through things and the only thing I would have is God's comfort. But it's more than enough. Why? Because I know he's preparing me to become an expression of his comfort to thousands, to millions, to many other people. So those are the two things. I, I, and finally, is that a life for God is not until you, you, you are beaten for his name. Living for God is not until you, 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 you're, you're persecuted. In question. Why are they persecuted? You say, ah, finally I've been persecuted. No, it starts from making him your first. The very first person that will persecute you is your flesh before it's a gun pointed out before it's insults on social media you are your first persecutor 
because that call to follow jesus means you have to die to yourself and you don't want to die i hope you know your flesh does not want to die so it will struggle and so it starts the sufferings for christ it begins in laying down your life to follow him it begins in putting him first at the expense of whatever was first before he stepped in amen so i want you to think on those three things and please and please let it show in your life the next time you're going to like what brings what will give me the greatest is that the next time you're going through a hard time you're able to say ah daniel said this so you know what god is here i will be so happy like i'm like yes <laughs> yes this was this was worth it this was worth it amen 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 and amen so thank you all as always like i said this is the highlight of my week um i look forward to this every weekend and i'm glad that you all were here i hope you were blessed i hope you have something to think about and to pray about um share this with anyone that needs to hear which is everybody you know <laughs> um any questions then we'll share the benediction pray then we we ask for first timers any questions you're welcome you're welcome right i would take it that it is one of those weeks where oh dami you have a question please go ahead Dami. yes um so i was wondering like um the scripture that says through the comfort of scriptures um like you receive converting romans 15 verse mm. 4 mm. so i was wondering like for instance paul how, like how did paul receive comfort that he gave other people comfort so I, like you already explained it seems like comfort can be gotten from like someone else comforting you or yeah and also comfort can be gotten through past experiences and then i'm, I'm, I'm trying to imagine like the comfort from scripture mm. is like stories of other people in scriptures as well which yes. is almost like life with someone okay yes that's, so yes. Um, for paul go on yeah would that, would that be like paul how paul got comforted by god hmm. very good question very good question um <laughs> I might have to start from this next week because Paul is going to explain a bit of that in 2 Corinthians, right? You're talking about, like you said, Romans 15, 4, that things were written aforetime, written for learning, that we, through the patience and the comfort of scriptures, might have hope. There are many ways God comforts us. Like you rightly said, one of which is as we study the epistles, sir, <laughs> we studied the Bible. I've become, all I know now is the epistles. As we study the scriptures, the experiences of others gives us comfort. When we see David's life, when we see Joseph, when we see Abraham, it gives us comfort in our own context today. The same thing, the comfort of others gives us comfort. So when I know, when I see how God has been faithful in Moromoke's life, I can try, it comforts me. And that's why you need to be a part of a church community. And we're going to see that in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 11. We're going to get there where Paul is like, as all of you are praying together for me, when God answers my prayers, it strengthens everybody because you were part of my struggle. So it gives comfort, right? That's another way God does that. Um, it could be directly through spiritual oversight. So someone God places over you that has been through something similar and is able to literally hold your hand. It, it might even be like over in sense of a pastor. It could be, let's say, an older friend that has been through this in their younger walk with God and they're able to hold your hand and walk through that very experience. That's comfort. 
that's comfort sometimes it could literally be um um like supernatural so like paul says three times i asked for this stone in the flesh to be taken in. and god said my strength is made perfect in me. This is therefore I will boast. That's how God comforted him. through visions, revelations, through prophecy. There are so many ways. So many ways. But my point is, there is no time a believer goes through tribulation that God isn't actively there to comfort. It is our responsibility to not be so overwhelmed, to have built up the right mindset. Because again, it's not in the battle that you start to prepare. It's it's now that let's say you are going, you, things are calm start to build up that mindset so that when you actually need comfort when next you're going through a trip um trial or a tribulation it's not then you're now struggling does god really love me Mm-mm. if you're asking the question then it's the damage was done long before that's what probably if, if your strength fails in the day of battle it says your strength is small it's not in the in the heat you start to try and gather all this no 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 it's now now that things are calm start to fortify your mind start to root yourself in god's comfort such that in those dark times it's able you are able to discern and see how god is still present with you so yes uh, to answer your question god comforts in many ways many ways but the key is that he is comforting he is there he pities you and then he calls you near second question oh so damn i hope that answers your question yes it does awesome thank you very good question thank you very good question moromike asked that in the scope of comforting people do you need to have fully experienced it to adequately comfort others is it possible to be comforted while comforting others i think you just spoke. oh yes of course this is never a it's not as a mechanic this is life right it's i could be going through stuff and i'm still like paul is actively going through as he's writing this letter he's still going through trials and it was never there was never a time where paul was not going through trials and tribulation right but on one hand yes you don't necessarily have to in fact you don't even have to have gone through the exact same situation at all to be able to point someone to the word of god to be able to help others i'm just saying that you are more equipped when you've gone through it right yeah so no yeah some people believe that it's you're limiting yourself if you think that oh you've not been through what i'm going through you don't have a right to speak to me then that means that jesus and paul cannot teach you about marriage that's what it means (laughs) because on some level every issue can be mirrored or can be likened to something else and so this is which is a beautiful point this speaks to you as a person to humble yourself to allow people comfort you as well as you understand and you not limiting yourself that oh i've not lost a loved one so i can't comfort someone that's lost a loved one that's not true right oh i've, I've never been abused so i can't comfort someone that's, that just got abused not necessarily while yes it is true that someone that's gone through that very situation has a lot more in their repertoire to come alongside yes that is true but it doesn't change the fact that there's still a lot that God can do with you. Even as simple as being there, checking up on them, praying for them, it's comfort. Even as simple as pointing them to scriptures that like, I might not have gone through it, but David has. Let's study the life of David together. Do you get my point? So, no, you don't have to go through what someone else is going through before you can come alongside them. Right? You have the Spirit of God. You can comfort people. Um, so, yeah. 
uh as far as receiving that is more the receiver's like the receiver needs to it's still part of what i said about discerning the comfort of god don't limit it to just uh, how i feel after i've prayed unless god comforts me by making me feel better when i've prayed i will not receive any other form of you are limiting god like i said it could be through the study of scripture it could be as you confide in your friends which you should right we're going to see that in verse 11 and i talked about it last week right um okay um you as you open up to people you would start to see ways that they can come alongside you even if they've not gone through what you're going through right um the next question when we say we don't have a high priest that is not touched by the feelings of our infirmities does that mean jesus has felt every possible emotion and experience again like i said um it doesn't have to be word for word just just didn't have to apply for a job and get a rejection do you get like it wasn't job searching but jesus knows what it means to wait on god do you get my point you can liken it jesus never chopped breakfast he didn't toast anyone <laughs> and they didn't they didn't serve him breakfast it was not in his situation but jesus has felt heartbreak jesus has felt betrayal judas betrayed him do you get my point and so <laughs> it doesn't have to be word for word experience for experience the same time that's still what moramake was asking that you can always like our human experiences are not as unique as we think at the end of the day you can it's always related to something that everybody goes through heartbreak betrayal disappointment hurt it's everyone can speak on some level or most people can speak on some level to some expression of that do you get my point jesus as well jesus knew what it meant to wait on god jesus knew what it meant to feel abandoned by people that loved him jesus knew what it meant to be betrayed jesus knew what it meant to be hated by people just what it meant to be lied on jesus like you get like it's that sense in which it might not be on a specific situational level jesus did not go through covid (laughs) right um but he know like he has been through on a fundamental level what how we feel and the struggles we face when we go through those particular situations he can relate he can relate not only that a lot of people around you can relate contrary to what the devil makes you think that's what first corinthians 10 31 is literally all about whenever you go through troubles the first thing and we've talked about this extensively it says no temptation has befallen you that is not common he didn't just say there are a few people that can relate he said it's common to man meaning if you if you can open your head or someone can help you look i, I imagine like you're drowning right you're being overwhelmed you're sinking if you can somehow raise your head above water or someone can drag you above water, you would see that a lot of people have been through that very same thing. It's not as unique to you as you think. And from there, that is the beginnings of you coming to a point where you're like, it will be fine. It will be fine. It will be fine. All right. So I hope that helps your question. Yes, you might not have gone through that very situation specifically. It's not possible. But at the end of the day the fundamental emotions of grief and struggle and pain that we all go through when we struggle through these things he's been through that he's been through that he's been through that all right um 
And not only that, because if you truly believe that by his spirit, united through every believer, then even on a particular level, he has been through it as well. Because he was, if he was with me when I went through this, then he's been through it. Do you, do you get my point? Um, anyways, very, very, very beautiful questions. Very, very beautiful questions. Um, I'll pray and then we call it a day. Dear Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you because indeed your word comforts us. Thank you because indeed you comfort us. Thank you because everyone here, everyone listening to this, whether now or later at some point in the future, that has trusted you can point to circumstance after circumstance where you were there where you proved yourself faithful, where you proved yourself God. Lord, I also acknowledge that everyone gathered here, everyone listening, probably have some sort of concern, some sort of thing they are going through in the moment and will go through for your name's sake and even in their own personal struggle to follow you. Lord, I pray for everyone in that category, everyone, whenever they are in that moment, that they are able to call to mind today's teaching. That they are able to call to mind the fact that you are there through friends, through their community, through the word, through prayer, through even reflection, to see that you are there with them. You have been there and you have not abandoned them. I pray that we are equipped to better go through trials and tribulations as believers. That we leave today's teaching stronger, more equipped, more solid in your goodness. Knowing that we serve, we belong, and we are children of the Father of all mercy and the God of all comfort. I pray even in our conducts that we are able to extend this same gift we've received from you to others. That we are merciful. We are kind. We don't hold people to their faults. We are forgiving. We don't place unrealistic expectations on others. We are humble enough to acknowledge our own failings and to, to pardon the failings of those around us. And I pray that we are people of comfort, that we, we don't run away from a world of pain. We don't shut it out, whether through distractions, whether through... Um, through focusing on 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 stuff that that blurs our sense of reality that we're able to acknowledge that we are in a world that is full of hurting people people going through all sorts of 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 things and we are able to step into that world just like you did to not ignore it to not merely pity it but to step in and bring comfort thank you lord jesus for in jesus name we have prayed Amen, amen, amen. All right, I will share my screen. Feel free to unmute yourself as we take the benediction. So graciously prepared to us by Buki and I. <laughs> then we call it a day. All right, so unmute yourself. Let's read together. One, two, go. I am, I am a, a diligent a student, student and doer of the word. I am a teacher of the word. The word is profitable for my growth. By the word... I am corrected by the word. I am, I am trained, trained in, righteousness. in righteousness. And in the word, 
my, my spirit rejoices. rejoices. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Um, I hope you've been blessed. I really, really do. Um, again, share with your friends and families. Is there anyone joining us for the first time? 